Good morning again. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 134. We have um, reached the end of our of the Psalms of Ascent. We've this is at the peak, so to speak. Um, and so, if you don't remember, Psalm 120, which began you know summer 22. Um, the Psalms of Ascent begin in a place where you're surrounded by people who don't know the living God and they're not for peace or for you. And then it begins this journey as, as these ancient believers would travel up to Jerusalem, up towards the presence of God, up towards the one who gives peace. And, and so Psalm 134 is, is like coming to a massive worship surface together. And so let's, let's read this text and meditate on this short psalm. And we will, and that'll lead us to the table. This is God's word. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. And this is the word of our God. He has spoken to us today in love. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, you have made us in your image so that we might glorify and enjoy you. And so I pray that as we see Jesus this morning, as we see the gospel with fresh eyes, that we would grow in our gratitude for the grace received, that we would willingly and joyfully participate in the worship, to join in with the choirs of angels and the communion of saints across history and across time and across the globe right now who are giving thanks, coming to bless you. So shine the light of your, your grace upon us this morning as we see uh, the risen Savior and fill us with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as, I, as I said, when you get to Psalm 134, you've reached the, the peak, the pinnacle of, of where the Psalms of Ascents have been aiming for and heading at, right? If, if you've ever climbed... Uh, any of the mountains in the Adirondacks, um, you know a bit of what this feels like, that it's a, it's a long journey. <laughs> uh, there's lots of switchbacks, um, exhaustion, perhaps complaining, depending on who you're with or who you are, <laughs> right? And sometimes there's all kinds of other excitement, wildlife, bears, snakes, um, physical injury can happen. But eventually, when you get to the top, right, the tree, li the tree line thins out and you're rewarded with the view. And the goal all along is to have that moment where you've reached the top, see the beauty, see the glory, see the majesty, and you forget yourself <laughs> for a brief moment and to praise what you see. And so that's, that's a bit of what we're doing here in Psalm 134 is that all along, these ancient disciples, these ancient followers of the Lord, their, their goal was to arrive in God's presence, to be in his house, uh, to, to give thanks to him and to receive his blessing. And so that's, that's what we're going to meditate on this morning, uh, that, that this, is, this is not only our destination when we come to church on Sunday, this is the destination of history, <laughs> that all of, all of history will culminate in the worship and enjoyment of God in the new heavens and new earth when Jesus returns. So, the problem for us is that we 
We live in a world where gratitude comes and goes. <laughs> um, we live in a disappointing world. I mean, don't you know, aren't, aren't you experience with, uh, familiar with the experience of working really hard to finally reach the peak of what you've been aiming for and to get there and go, is this it? All right, it's a bit like Tom Brady, the famous interview in 2019. He's already, he, got, he had three out of his seven Super Bowls at that point. But he, he says to an interview, I, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Everyone else thinks you've reached your dreams, but I think, God, there's got to be more than this. And then the interviewer turns and looks at him and says, well, what else is there? And almost with tears, he says, I, I just don't know. Right. Or Chuck Colson tells of when um, he finally achieved his goal of getting Richard Nixon into office. I mean, this is before he went to prison. Uh, right. But yeah, you know, three years of his life, three years of in, just intense campaigning and missing out on all kinds of life with his family, and he said, you know, if you looked in the Oval Office, if you looked in the President's office that night, uh, if, you, if there was some imaginary hole, what you would have seen was a victorious president grumbling about the words he would have to say. You'd see his chief of staff just kind of angry and grumpy. And Colson himself, the architect of this strategy, just sitting, feeling a little bit, of it, a little bit dead inside, disappointed. Right. And so... The question we have is when we come to worship, right? How do we get to that point where we come into God's presence and it heals our disappointment, right? To actually find satisfaction and joy and praise of the living God when you walk into his house. And because that's what I said, the end of this journey is praise, it's joy in God's presence. And that's the promise of Psalm 134 is, um, come bless the Lord, he will bless you. And with blessing comes great joy. And so, let's meditate on that idea this morning. What does a relationship with the Lord feel like? It feels like blessed and blessing. And so, the first point here that we're called to do is to voice your gratitude in verse 1. Right? I mean, really, this psalm interrupts our, our pursuits, our dreams, those things we're aiming at, like Tom Brady, like Colson. I mean, our family goals, our, our work goals, our life goals and says, stop what you're doing and come bless the Lord. Um, and twi- it's, it's a command twice in here, right? It's not an option for God's people. Uh, in, a, in a covenant relationship, we're commanded to bless the Lord, and in return, we're looking forward to the Lord um, returning that blessing and giving us grace. So we come with our gratitude, He gives us grace, and it be- becomes this cycle. And this is, this is the pattern of the Christian life. It's this mutual enjoyment of each other. And, in, and I know ble- to bless the Lord is, yeah, it's, it's, it's pious language, um, but it's, it's a, the simplest way to understand what it's telling you to do is to come praise His name. Come say thank you. Come give Him praise for who He is and what He's done. Right, if you want to know what that looks like, read Psalm 135 and 136. That's, that's what follows. Right? To, to bless the Lord is to be aware that the one who made the heavens and the earth, he is the source of all life and all the good things in your life. 
It's coming from a place of humility. Right, so Mark Furtado, one commentator, says to, to bless the Lord is to confess our ultimate dependence upon Him for all that we are, all that we do, and all that we have in this life. Right? In other words, you're a servant. You know, you're, you're not the, the captain of your fate, the master of your soul. You're, you're a creature in God's world. Now, We've got to do a little bit of um, exegesis here because there are two, two main interpretations of who exactly the servants of the Lord are in this psalm, which affects how you read it. And so if you're reading from the NIV or, or the NASB, right, you, the, the, the translation will sound something like this of verse 1, uh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who are ministering by night or serving by night in the house of the Lord. In other words, that God's people would sing this song um, calling the, the professional ministry workers in the temple to praise the name of the Lord. Right. That's, that's who these people are that, are that are standing, according to this interpretation. They would be the Levites, the priests. I mean, that's what the, that's what the scriptures say when, when the, the Levites, those who would come alongside and, and, and help in the temple, they were to stand every morning thanking and praising the Lord, and do the same thing in the evening. And you do so whenever burnt offerings were offered on, the, offered on the Sabbath, during the feast days. Like their job, day and night, was to ensure that praise to God never stopped. Right? Never stop saying thank you. But if you're doing it at night, right? Anybody, anybody ever work a night shift here and feel unseen and unappreciated? Right? So in other words, what this, if the servants of the Lord are these, these ministry professionals, this becomes an encouragement from God's people for those who are engaged in the work of saying, you know, don't forget who you're doing this for. Come bless the Lord. Right? Ministry is a lot of unseen work, especially if you're doing it the way Jesus tells you to, which is to not practice your righteousness in order to be seen but to let your Father who sees in secret reward you. Right? Nobody sees how much time is spent preparing a sermon or who you're praying for and with during the week. Uh, nobody sees whether you actually give money to the person who asked you last week. Right? And so part of what this psalm can help you with is saying, while you worship at night in the Lord's house, while you're doing unseen, unappreciated work, for the Lord, let his blessing, his praise, uh, his eyes be, be enough. Right? And so in that, in that reading, right, God's people are calling the professional servants of the Lord to give thanks. That's, that's one view of servants. The other view um, comes out a little bit more in the ESV, which we just read, which says, you know, the, the servants of the Lord are standing by night in the house of the Lord. And the idea is that this is like the end of the journey in Jerusalem. And so all of God's people are the servants, and they're standing in the house of the Lord with the priests, uh, giving thanks, giving praise. Right? That there was, it's like the, the end, end of a Christian conference, so to speak, right? Where they're in the room together in the dark, giving praise, giving thanks. 
right? And, and they, we have record of, of just ancient worship practices that at the end of, say, Passover, there would be faithful believers gathered one more time to hear God bless them and keep them and make his face shine upon them and give them peace right? and to offer their gratitude. And so in that case, this would be for all of us to come gather and worship. Remind yourself, you are a servant. Give praise, give thanks, and receive the gift of the Lord blessing you from, from Zion, from Jerusalem. And here's how I try and piece this together. Um, the best explanation I've heard of this text is it's a liturgy. It's a, it's a worship service with call and response the way we do every week, is that to me what makes the most sense is verse 1 would be the believers, the pilgrims, those who've made this journey to Jerusalem, speaking to the priests, saying, come bless the Lord, right? All you servants of the Lord who are standing by night. And then verse 2, the leader, the priests would speak back to the people and say, lift up your hands to the holy place. And bless the Lord. So now they're participating in worship. And then together, the, the, the priests would then give the blessing from God to the people and, and receive the gift. I mean, you can see this is what Bible scholars are trying to figure out, is how did they use this psalm in worship? And this, this to me makes the most sense, that this is the pattern of worship. We call each other to, to enjoy God. You can't do that by yourself. You need God's people. Right? And so, if you think about this, if we're going to zoom out and take a 20,000-foot view of the, of the Psalms of Ascent here, that they, this is the end of their journey, this has been the, the goal all along, which is to get into God's presence with God's people, to say thank you and receive His blessings, His gift, to participate in worship. Right? It means you're called to come no matter what is happening in your life. Right? Because think about everything that has happened in the Psalms of Ascent. I'll give you a recap. We'll run through this. Psalm 120, come, come bless the Lord because you're surrounded by deceit and conflict in a world that's rejected God. Psalm 121, the world is dangerous. You need the Lord's help to, to keep you and protect you. Right? We suffer. Psalm 123, we, we're familiar, we come uh, familiar with contempt, with, with, with being looked down on for our faith, being treated as a nobody. Uh, Psalm 124 is that uh, graphic prayer about you know, the evil plowing long furrows in your back. It's that idea. There, there's enemies in the world that if you claim to, to have allegiance to Jesus, you face opposition. Uh, 126, right? There's weeping at night. We grieve. We bring our grief to worship. Psalm 127, we're anxious about our jobs. Uh, we're anxious about our children. We bring that to worship. Psalm 129, we're sinned against. We bring, we bring our real need to forgive others to worship. Psalm 130, we bring our guilt and shame. Lord, if you were to mark iniquity, who could stand? Don't let that keep you from worship. 
All right, Psalm 132, we, we're waiting for God to fulfill his promises. We still live in this world. There's a not yet that causes us pain. Bring that into God's presence. In Psalm 133, we looked at last week, we, there's a lack of unity. There's conflict. There's disagreement, even in God's family. Come and bless the Lord together. And it's the idea is that in the midst of all that, that's what these worshipers are bringing as they come into God's presence. They're bringing all that it means to live in a world that goes not well. Right? And saying, I'm going to come, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. Right? Or I love the way that um, Wendell Kimbrough's song, it's, it's, a, it's the prayer of St. Patrick um, put, put to words. He calls us to do that, and he's these lyrics go like this, that, that when my work takes me places I don't want to go, Christ before me. And my heart aches with sorrow as I hit the road, Christ be with me. When the care of my family takes all that I have, Christ within me. When I'm worn and exhausted, ashamed that I'm mad, Christ defend me. When I'm tossed to the side and I want to give up, Christ beside me. When I'm breaking my back and it's never enough, Christ beside me. When I work hard, but someone else gets the reward, God's eyes see me. And I ask for promotion and they shut the door. God's eyes, God's ears hear me. In other words, right, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who are anxious in the dark. Bring all that you are and come. Lift up your hands, right? I know we're Presbyterian. We don't do that much, right? We probably hide it under the chair. <laughs> but, it, you know, in their way, it was a, a, a physical way to em, embody your worship as well as just receive the blessing as you lift your hands to the holy place, towards God's presence. Right? Come and receive his blessing. Right? Come whether you feel like it or not. That, that's the command. Which leads to, to point two. If we're called to voice our gratitude here in worship together, uh, we've got to meditate on why is it so hard to be grateful? Um, why is it a daily grind? I mean, one, who likes to be told you should love this and praise it? Right? If you've ever been in any conversation about sports teams, that's all people do, is try and persuade you to love what they love, even if they're deluded <laughs> and wrong, and hence the conversation. Right? But if you really hear what this is saying, this is saying, come bless the Lord. Come say thank you. Come express your gratitude, whether you feel like it or not. In other words, you need to be in God's presence to have your heart recalibrated and retuned in order to be able to sing his praise. Right. You know, God has the audacity to say, praise me. It's good for you. Right. That's actually what, what drove C.S. Lewis crazy before he became a Christian. Uh, that, that if you were in a relationship with anyone like God that demanded you praise his name the way God does, right, we would look down on them. They'd say, that's arrogant. Right? Lewis says, we despise the person who demands continued assurance of their own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. 
And even more, we despise the crowd that feeds into their every whim, that gather around every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity who gratifies their demands. So when I got to the Psalms, they were exceedingly troublesome in this way, because it says, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord with me. And even worse was God saying, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice, he's the one who praises and honors me. It sounds an awful lot like God saying what I want most is to be told that I'm good and I'm great. This is it's, it's odd, right? Come bless the Lord. And so, Lewis, we go on to say, yeah, it makes sense to say thank you. It makes sense to give God reverence, to give him obedience, but I could not understand this perpetual praise, this perpetual eulogy. But that's when he started to notice, if you start to pay attention to the way people work, listen to people's conversations. They are constantly talking about what they love They're constantly blessing something or someone. And in fact, they're not just blessing something or someone. They're trying to persuade you to bless that with them. Right? And that's that's how Lewis resolved this as part of of coming to faith is, right, what, what praise is, what blessing the Lord is, it's enjoyment of something spontaneously overflowing into praise and delight. Right? You, you enjoy something, you praise it. And so you listen to conversation. You'll listen to um, lovers praising the people, you know, quoting Romeo and Juliet and praising this person. Uh, you listen to sports teams, accolades, uh, your work, your career, politics. I mean, you name it. People aren't satisfied with saying, I love this. They want others to love this too. Come enjoy this with me. And as Christians, what we're saying is the one who is worth all of the worship and the only one who can sustain that much glory, that much praise, is the living, eternal God. In other words, what worship's purpose is, is to hear the command, come bless the Lord. Right? And to come and let your heart be be calibrated, uh, retuned to who God is and what he's done, to come and, come and see his gifts, enjoy him, and then praise him. That requires a heart change, does it not? And this is a confrontation. Because right now your heart, my heart, is calibrated like true, to true north, like a compass. You've been, your heart's been captured by some kind of vision of how life ought to be. Like, this is the good life. This is the beautiful life. Right. And if, if you're not gripped by the goodness and the beauty, it's literally what Psalm 135 says, come praise the Lord, his name is beautiful, it's pleasant. Right. If, you're, if your heart isn't enraptured with who God is in the gospel, the command to come bless the Lord, it's going to feel like you're faking it. It's going to feel unattainable. But you're going to say, my my emotions, look at all the other Psalms of Ascent. I don't feel like it. I don't know how I can, from the heart, praise God's name and lift my hands when I'm just feel weighed down by the pressures of this world. 
And that's, that's the other reason why this is a battle, is, is when we come to worship, we don't feel like it. Right? It's part of, part of the reason why I try to pick songs that help us be emotionally honest. You know, it, we don't always feel like saying, yay, God. We have to sometimes pray like Job, you give and take away. Sometimes you sing those songs with tears in your eyes. Right? But you notice in this text, it doesn't say, come when you feel like it. <laughs> it doesn't say, bless the Lord if, if it's a good day. No, it says, don't let your emotions dictate your worship. It's, it's letting your worship speak to your emotions. Right? That's, that's the big idea. It's not, that's just the idea behind a command. Do this. That's it. Just come and do it. And in our culture, we're, we're really, we are discipled to let our emotions dictate what we worship. Right? And so we need to come bless the Lord and allow that command to interrupt our emotions, um, to interrupt our dreams, our plans, our goals, to come and let God speak to us. Right? That's what the Psalms are for. Why we camp out every summer is that you can come and say, God, where are you? Psalm 13, God, have you forgotten me? Right? That's still coming to bless the Lord. You're bringing your experience into the house of the Lord. Right? And so, if you're honest, right, in 2022, out of the 52 Sundays, how many, how many times did you feel like coming to bless the Lord? Or in 2023, right? Or in the last month, where your heart's fully engaged, your heart's rejoicing in awe at the grace you've received in Christ. Or how many weeks do you come limping, weak, weary, worn out by the fall, needing rest to come and taste this gift that Pastor Jim reminded us, right? That the preview of the Sabbath rest. Now, if you you hear this command, it's, it's a call to bless the Lord and to join in with all of creation in praising your Creator. Because if you, again, if you zoom out, this is the way the Psalms are structured. How does the book of Psalms end? The last four Psalms, Psalm 146 through 150, it's one big, massive jubilant hallelujah where all the angels, all of creation, all human beings are called to, to praise the Lord, to come bless the Lord. All right? All right, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, you get to, to Psalm 148, mountains and hills, beasts and livestock, all, all creeping things, let them praise the Lord. This is where all of creation is heading. When Jesus returns and the new, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, right, we're going to participate in that joy, in that delight, in that praise. We're not going to be alone in it. And so the Psalms of Ascent are, are helping us practice 
for that great day that will never end. It's not one big worship service. It's going to be, there's humanity involved, but we're, we're going to be servants in the Lord, living in the new heavens and new earth, praising his name. Right? What Peter calls joy inexpressible. So in other words, it's a battle to be grateful. But the command is to come, bring your sorrows, bring your unruly emotions into God's presence, into God's house to bless his name even when you don't feel like it. Because when you do that, you join in with all of creation and all the saints that have gone before you and that will come after you who say he is worthy. He is worth it. I've seen Christ crucified with the eyes of my heart. He is alive. The Spirit has poured out his love. Praise his name. And so... You can see that, right? If you're in a worship service, you've got the people calling the priest to, to bless the Lord, and then the priest turns around and says, you too, bless the Lord. And then the, the verse 3 then says, here's, here's the blessing that you get. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made you, he who made heaven and earth. And so this worship service ends with a good word from God. It ends with grace from our Maker. that it ends with God. He gets the last word. You can see that structured in in our weekly services. But it's the idea that if you come to Zion, if you go to God's house where he dwells, this is where God's blessings flow from him to you. And I think you're supposed to remember number six here. As you as you listen to the priest. May the Lord bless you from Zion. What, what, what is that blessing like? That, that's what you need the rest of the scriptures to fill in. But number six, the, the priestly benediction, uh, the famous one from number 622 that says, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, may he turn his face on you and give you peace. In other words, when you bring your emotional mess, <laughs> all that you are into worship, what do, you, what do you expect God to do for you? Right? And it, by God's plan and by God's will, numbers, this blessing from number six was something God commanded the priest to do, is to, to pray this prayer over the people, that you should expect God to want to bless you, to keep you, to be gracious to you, to turn his face upon you, to give you the blessing of peace. That, that the default mode of worship is a grateful people coming into the presence of a God who actually enjoys the fact that his people are there. He wants you here with him. Right? Do you believe that? Right? I mean, do you believe that when you come, head down, staring at your feet, because you lost your temper, and you just don't feel worthy to come to the Lord's table? I mean, do you feel like when you get into God's presence, you're just going to get another lecture about how you should have been better, you should have known better? A good Christian would never do such a thing. And we go, yeah, God disciplines those he loves. That's, that's part of why we, get, that's why we gather together, and he, 
He is a loving father who's, who loves us enough to say, stop doing that. But number six, as well as Psalm 134, it's setting your expectation for worship. That God's desire is to give grace and peace to his people. And this becomes more meaningful when you realize what kind of people he's doing this for. This leads us to Jesus. Right? Because God desires to bless and keep and be gracious to an ungrateful people. Listen to Romans 1. Right? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of human beings who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. And then verse 21 says, For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor did they give thanks to him. In other words, as you obviously you go through Romans and you read, hear the gospel, what are the kind of people that Jesus came to save? People who, by nature, did not want to bless the Lord, who did not say thank you, who did not enjoy him. Right? Jesus laid down his life for a people who refused to bless his name. In fact, they cursed it. They mocked him. They nailed him to a tree because, in Jesus' own words, they hated, they'd rather be their own master than be servants. And it turned out it was the people who thought they were okay that did it. Right? And so when you're looking at the cross, the place where we see God's willingness to be gracious and give us peace, you're seeing the Lord that we bless being cursed for us in our place so that we might receive this blessing. The blessing of knowing that we can, we can draw near to him with confidence. That he really does desire to bless and keep you, protect you. Uh, in the words of, of Peter, right? Bless and be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who, who caused us to be born again according to his great mercy through the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the dead, who is guarding you through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the end. Same language. Right? So that's why we, the writer of the Hebrews would say, when you come to worship, you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly city. Right? You've, you've come to this place uh, where... To, to a festival party. So I'll, I'll turn to it. It's Hebrews 12. <clears throat> right? Where do you get this blessing? You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Right? This is all of creation together, praising, praising God. We're in his house when you gather together as God's people. Because you've come to the assembly of the firstborn whose names are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel. 
that's a reason to come bless the Lord, uh, that when you come in faith to Jesus, that the church gathered now is this heavenly city, (laughs) the spiritual place where you've come to Jesus now. And his blood is calling out for your forgiveness. And you're now, your names are now enrolled in heaven. You're the spirits of the righteous declared perfect. Right? So come and receive that blessing. See, to the extent that your heart is gripped with the grace of the Lord poured out for you in the broken body and blood of Christ that we're going to taste here in a moment, you can understand that I am free to come and bring my mess, right? Being everything we talked about, to come and say thank you. And say, Lord, I need your blessing again. Right? And then your heart will be retuned and you'll, it won't feel like you're faking it because your heart will be moved by, by faith, um, the Spirit, feeling the Spirit pour out the love of Christ in your heart. So let's conclude this way. Um, right, this is a taste of the future meant to invade our present, right? You get a taste of the joy at the end of all things. Because we have Christ, we get to rejoice now. Uh, did you see the, 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 video, the video that went viral this past week about this um, really happy can collector in New York City? Um, he, it's just, I don't know where the interview came from or why it, why it went viral, why it went around, but it was this middle-aged guy who um, just has a huge smile on his face as he's being interviewed, and he's, he's pulling out cans and bottles out of a dumpster in New York City. Right? This is how he makes a living. He pulls stuff out of the trash and resells it, and is able to make a living. Talk about unseen, unappreciated work. Right? Why is he there? In his words, I made a bunch of dumb decisions. According to the law, he was a human trafficker. Uh, he, he sold people. He went to federal prison. And he said, I lost my wife and my family over this. Right? But he's still smiling. Because in prison, he met Jesus and his life got turned around. And, and now, because of the blessings that he knows in Christ, he's able to dig through a dumpster. Right? Unseen, unappreciated. And do so with a smile. And so the interviewer asks him, why are you so happy? And he immediately just starts to quote Ephesians 1. Dude, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, To me, I cannot believe that God, before the foundation of the world, and I take that to mean before before Genesis 1-1, when God created the the heavens and the earth, that he would set his love on someone like me. (laughs) Because who am I that I could receive such grace? Bless the Lord, right? So let's come and bless the Lord even as, as he pours out his grace and peace upon us in Christ this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this overwhelming gift of salvation in Christ. But we also thank you that you are our maker, the giver of every good gift. And I pray that um, our hearts would overflow with thanksgiving and praise as we as we worship, uh, as we come to the table. And may this worship overflow into praise and calling others to, to put their faith in Jesus. Because as, 
as the scriptures say, he is worthy. Uh, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Uh, we, we pray this, that you would deepen our faith in Jesus' name. Amen.